You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning. It's Monday, June 15th, and you're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. We call this the College Football Daily, obviously, but we do take the weekends off during the offseason for sanity's sake, more so than anything. But the truth is, the last few weekends have been so newsy that building the Monday episode to record on Sunday is getting tougher and tougher and tougher. And the last few weeks have been incredible. I feel like we will look back on the spring and summer of 2020 in 10 years, five years, and sort of shiver but also realize how much change is happening right now and how the world is not going to be the same after this for a variety of reasons. And as it comes to the national discussion of racial injustice that's taking place, especially on our college campuses for the purposes of of this podcast, I think it's been really impressive to see student athletes use their voice and find their voice in, in some ways those voices are newly discovered because the actions we've seen in the last week or two weeks were unimaginable a year ago. And their voice, the use of this voice has not slowed down or quieted in recent days. It hasn't gone away. It's gotten louder, if anything, more impactful. As we run down a few of the the changes we've seen all building up to the the purpose of this episode, which is a, a discussion about the University of Texas and its it's fight song in the eyes of Texas. And we're going to talk to a former Longhorn All-American about that and how student athletes want that gone. You'll notice that in this case, in the last few weeks, as student athletes speak up for something they believe is wrong, instead of being torched on social media or being told to, you know, well, some people are telling them to shut up and, shut up and dribble or, you know, just stick to sports. We find that college administrations and their coaches are listening. Think about Iowa. Former players spoke out about how the weight room, weight and conditioning program was run by Chris Doyle. And they demanded accountability and change. And they were heard. Chris Doyle placed on administrative leave. There's an investigation going on. The longtime ban that Iowa's always had on social media has been lifted. You got Florida State. Star defensive tackle Marvin Wilson calls out coach Mike Norvell for his misportrayal of the conversations that the team is having regarding racial injustice Instead of you know being forced to delete the tweet and walk it back, Wilson's tweet actually led to a team meeting the next day. They came away with some positive points of action. We've talked about that on the podcast, three really positive points of action. And over the weekend, the Seminoles participated in a unity walk in Tallahassee. Two weeks ago, Clemson had that massive controversy on its hands, a situation involving former player DJ Greenlee and assistant coach Danny Perriman, who used a racial slur on the practice field a few years ago that was starting to come to light after the death of George Floyd. And on Saturday, you saw several Clemson players, including star quarterback Trevor Lawrence, organize a peaceful protest in the community where they marched two miles, held an eight-minute, 46-second moment of silence in honor of George Floyd, and sang Amazing Grace. Many of the players spoke. So did Coach Dabo Sweeney, who said, I'm embarrassed to say that there's things on this campus I didn't really understand. I knew the basics, but not the details, but I've learned and I've listened. And a day earlier at Clemson, the board of trustees changed the name 
of Clemson's Calhoun Honors College after for- prominent former players, Sean Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, NFL stars now, circulated a petition advocating for the change. As Clemson's campus is built on John C. Calhoun's plantation, according to his bio on the school website, the former vice president on that plantation enslaved 70 to 80 African Americans. It's always been a low simmering problem in the Clemson community that the honors college is called Calhoun honors college. How did, how did it, how did change come about? Athletes spoke up, but the headline of the weekend comes down in Austin, Texas, where on Friday, university of Texas student athletes posted a collective note on social media saying the things you'd expect them to say. It was time for them to become active on campus. What starts here changes the world. It's time for us to do that. They had a duty to utilize their voice, and and they said that. And they said that while football players would continue to work out with plans to play in the upcoming season, they would be boycotting donor-related events and the recruiting of incoming players without plans or the implementation of plans to accomplish the following. Change the names of buildings on campus named after racists that the UT Athletics Department will donate a percentage of their annual earnings to black organizations. To replace any, the construction of statues on campus done or sculpted by artists of color. And this is the kicker here. The request or the the demand to be excused from the post-game tradition of singing the eyes of Texas. And furthermore, the statement of request that the song should be replaced by a new song without racist undertones. So again, think about it. College athletes advocating and requesting and demanding, really, a change of the school's fight song that has spanned over 100 years. Like, you want to really see how someone feels about how committed they are to change? Challenge an institution of theirs because the eyes of Texas is an institution and fans immediately on Twitter almost had this. You guys have gone too far now vibe. And I've had conversations with people over the weekend as a Texas alum who say the same thing. But when you actually dig into the eyes of Texas, this request to change it makes sense. At the very least, the, the, the silly act of all athletes have to sing it. Throw away, throw that away. This is, this is a song that's problematic. This is a song that, speaking frankly and truthfully, it's time it, it, it should be replaced because when you look at it, and I didn't know this, and you, you do a little research and you get a little awareness about yourself, and you see that it was written in 1903, and it was first performed on campus in a minstrel show by white performers in blackface. And the Eyes of Texas, if you haven't heard it, it's basically a copy of I've Been Working on the Railroad with changed lyrics. And that song was originally known as the Levy Song, whose lyrics were written in 1894 for minstrel shows. It's a song mocking black laborers who constructed levees and railroads in the South. And the original version of the Levy Song used the N-word more than once. So 
Texas in the early 1900s takes the levy song, changes up the words, performs it at a minstrel show with white actors, performers wearing blackface. And that's now the fight song for the last hundred plus years. And the ones that we expect our football players to sing after each game, win or lose with their horns up and do it pridefully. And that just, that just seems, there seems like all sorts of levels of wrong to that. And it's been hard to reckon with because it's, again, you look back and you go, okay, I'm 29 years old. Have I been, I've been singing the eyes of Texas since I was, you know, three. How did I not know? You know, how did, how did I not look? You know, why does this, why, why does something like a fight song resonate so much with people? So, you know, that's, I, I could have a monologue on that, but I thought it would be more impactful to bring in a former Longhorn, Tim Crowder, who was a four-year starter uh, from 2003 to 2006. He was a national champion on the 05 team. He was a second-round draft pick in the NFL. He was an All-American his senior season. He's more than qualified to give us an actual grounded opinion on the Ice of Texas and on student-athletes' role in social change and on any any experiences he had had in college that looking back on like it's it's a really fascinating interview because I, I start off the bat asking Tim like did you know the song had racial undertones racist undertones I said no and you know you do something and it works and it's it's fine and then you kind of you learn about it as I have this week and then you go okay yeah I had that experience but it's time to do away with it so we're going to get to it right now Tim Crowder. All right, bringing in Tim Crowder right now. Tim, thanks so much for talking to us. And before we get into a discussion about the fight song and and the letter that Texas student athletes posted to social media the other day, I kind of was just wondering if you would tell me a little bit about your experience as a student athlete at Texas and in Austin and maybe how that was different, a little bit of a culture shock coming from Tyler, Texas, which is, which is in East Texas and, and, and maybe how your experience at Texas was different than just about anybody else, especially mine. Well, when I first got to UT, man, I was, it was definitely a culture shock for me. Uh, I predominantly, I am from Tyler, Texas, but I grew up basically majority on the uh, African-American or black side of town. So uh, where I come from is very segregated, even to this day. I mean, our cross-time rival high school name is Robert E. Lee, for goodness sake. So that kind of tells you a little bit about, you know, where I grew up at. But, um, but anyways, uh, I love UT. I love Coach Brown. I love his vision. I didn't, I didn't feel any of the, you know, racism or anything like that uh, from their side. Uh, I love the city of Austin. Um, and that's, that's one of the reasons I came to UT. And uh, it's one of the best decisions I made. Looking back on it, it opened my eyes. You know, you don't, a lot of people now, they don't realize how closed-minded they are until they leave that situation. And uh, that was one of the things for me is that I was able to leave that situation. I realized how closed-minded I was. And, you know, I had some issues as well that I had to deal with. But, you know, it it was one of those things where, like I said, I'm so glad I got out of it and I have to understand I can look back and say, you know what, wow, you know, it's, you know, my mind is much more clearer now. 
Yeah, I had a similar experience as far as you know, you go to college and your your mind is opened up to things. And to be honest with you, I feel guilty looking back and and I feel kind of sad, Tim, to to see you know the current student athletes at the school we went to. Like they're they're dealing with all this and they're recognizing things that are racist and they're recognizing like this building should not be named after someone who sympathized with the Confederacy and that, you know, this statue needs to come down and, and this fight song is actually problematic. And so I, I, I want to get into that. And I just also want to ask though, like you mentioned, you, you didn't really, I don't know, no, notice that like, was there ever a conversation on the team and you were on a historic football team? Was there ever any conversation like some of this is a little off or, or an awareness that, Hey, that six, you know, the, the stadium had the six flags of Texas flying over it before they remodeled the scoreboard. And one of those flags was, you know, the Texas and the Confederacy flag. And I just wonder, was there ever sort of any awareness or any conversation from you guys about any of this is a little off or a little bit uncomfortable? And that's not just a Texas thing. That's, that's probably any university in the South. Well, the thing about it during that time, back in 2003 to 2006, and before then, racism was so entrenched that it was just a part of life. It's just that we we didn't understand our history. We didn't. We were so distracted by being want to be great football players and and go to the NFL or wherever we want to do that. None of that ever crossed our mind, you know. And I look back at it. That's why I salute these kids now because they are more aware than we ever was. And one of the reasons was is because of social media. Let's just be honest. I. I call the era that we live in now, I call this the era of information. I mean, you it's so much information that's readily available, and you get to see and hear both sides of the story. Uh, we've always was told only one side, and that's the side of the victors. You know, like, I've done more research lately, and I've been, you know, reading into, you know, what's the real reason that Abraham Lincoln, uh, you know, as far as the Emancipation Proclamation or you know, it was an economic issue. He, you know, he wanted, if it was up to him, he's like, he he pleaded with them, say, man, you know, it's killing our economics. But unfortunately, I have to, I have to free the slaves to help the, the United States out. And the South was like, no, we have free labor down here. Therefore, we're going to fight to the death for our free labor. It's like the, it's like the mom and pop store that's charging four times for the same product that uh, Walmart charges. I mean, a lot of people get mad at Walmart, but at the end of the day, you're gonna go to the ones who's, you know, who's not hurting your pockets that much. So that's the reason that the mom and pop stores are suffering because they have somebody like Walmart that's right down the street, that's easily accessible and everybody's gonna go to and their prices are much lower. Even though the quality may not be the same, but it's like, you know what? You know what, I know I, that's a Yeti cup over there that's, that's $80, but, I got the base of the same cup at Walmart. I can buy three or four of these boogers and they just as effective as the Yeti cups, even though they might tear up a little sooner, but hey, I got four of them. <laughs> you know, right. so it's just one of those issues. The College Football Daily will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The the fight song, I mean, you, you sang it after the national championship. And so I would imagine like every time you listen to it, it stirs up some sort of emotion, right? Like it, it does for me I, growing up a Texas fan and, you know, singing it with my dad and you're in the stadium and a hundred thousand people have their horns up and they, they're rocking it at the same time when Gabriel blows his horn and you play it at graduation and you just, it's this, you kind of get goose goosebumps when you listen to it, except for like the past few days, as you said, we're starting to be more aware and we're, we're reading into the history. And I just want to get your thoughts on, on Tim, that, that the removal of the eyes of Texas being one of the, one of the requests or demands of these student athletes right now, like, how do you feel about that as someone who went to Texas as someone who was a national champion as someone who like until this week, never viewed that song in a problematic light. Cause for me, I, at first I was like, Whoa. And then I started digging into it. I was like, okay. Like, I understand this. This is making me uncomfortable. I understand if we do away with this, even if it's it's seeped in, in tradition, because some of that tradition and history is the wrong kind of history. Imagine being Jewish, if you are not. And let's say that, let's say that you live in Germany, right? And you first probably tell me, so why in the world am I a Jew and, and I'm going to decide to live in Germany? You know, that's one of the, that's one question right there. But then let's say you walked around and said, you know what, I've been celebrating. I went to college over here in Germany and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get anything. You know, I actually love the culture and things, but all of a sudden you realize like, wait a minute, you mean to tell me that the origins of this song of my school is actually disrespecting and basically want to uphold the Germans over the Jews? Like, wow, so you're gonna have a totally different meaning of that song now because you realize that, wait a minute, that affects me. That affects me and my ancestors. So definitely, I want that song to end. And that's the way I feel right now. I feel like, you know what? I sung with pride because I didn't know the history, but now I know the history of it. And it's like, you know, that song has to go. I mean, it has to. It just, if it's not, it's just like, wow, you have no, you have no understanding of, of another race, you know, of, of, of the issues that they went through because, like I said, you were the victors. Yeah, absolutely. I agree that the song has to go. I feel like it will. I, I I see no way in which they can uphold the tradition of singing that after win or loss with any normalcy now, especially because when you look when you look at it now, you go, oh wow, it's like pretty much required that the student athletes sing it, right? Yeah, because I always felt like you know, but then I you know, because I was just like you know, the eyes of Texas are upon you. All the live long day, the eyes of Texas are upon you, you know, you cannot get away. And I was like, wait a minute, you cannot get away. You know, do not think you can escape them. Okay, who, you know, who's them? Then, you know, you think about it more. I was like, wait a minute, they, are they talking about slaves getting away? You know, like, that's crazy. You know, so it's just like, wow. I mean, it's, it's very sad. It, it's very hurtful now. And like I said, it wasn't hurtful when I was singing it, but. Since I know the history, I just feel so, I feel duped and I feel stupid about it, you know? What do you think about the fans who are on social media or maybe on the message boards even who, 
I've seen a lot of great reaction. That's maybe surprising that that reaction we would not have had in 05. But there are fans who say, no, 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 you can't, you can't take that away. That's that's our tradition. And you 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 almost see the sense of these fans who believe that the school and its traditions somehow are belonging to them more than they would belong to the the players who are, you know, bleeding and, and sweating and all you, it's, it's frustrating to see because you like, okay, all right, sure. Yeah. You've sung the eyes of Texas for, for 60 years. Great. But it's kind of hard. I, I feel like we have this split in between student athletes and a fan base and the fan base is acting like this is our tradition. Don't touch it. You can't mess it up when the student actually athletes are the ones who are like actually doing all the work and, and have just as much, if not more of a right of what is the tradition at the university of Texas. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, you never know how someone really is until they dis until they disagree with you. And this is one of those situations because it's, it's come to the point where, Hey, I disagree with you. Now you about to, I'm about to either going to, we're going to talk it out in dialogue and we're going to find some solutions or I'm just going to hate you because you disagree with what I say. It's just like, wait a minute, you disagree with what I say. So now for, I hate you now, you know, I hate everything you stand for. And that's what racism is. You disagree. You finally, you're waking up and you disagree with what I'm saying. You've been vocal about it. So wait a minute. I love, I love, I love what racism has done for my family that, you know, that, my family, we have, you know, I have a lot of white buddies. They have ranches and ranches. They have land and land for days. I mean, just endless amounts of land. And now I understand, like, where did you get all that land from? And I realized, like, wait a minute, that land was given to you by the government after the slaves was free because the government didn't want the slaves to own the land. So now I understand all this stuff. Like, a lot of people don't understand that because they don't know the history. But now I do. If they decide not to change the fight song, do you do you do you expect the players to to go through with their boycott? And it's not a boycott of of on field activities. It's a boycott of you know booster related events and and uh, in being involved in the recruitment of other prospects. And and that's the thing about it. That's what people think. You know, people think that all right, it's only because of recruiting. So a lot of people are breathing like kind of sigh of relief, like oh. They did say they was going to attend the game, so we're cut. No, no, that's not how you. That's not how you get real change. If you really want to boycott, and I know these players are thinking like that because I've talked to them, there will be no football games. And that's one thing people don't understand. Can you imagine DKR the first game of the year, and all of a sudden a team? And I mean, it's is it, and it's not just black athletes; it's all of them. It's this the white ones, it's Sam Ellinger, it's every last one of them. Can you imagine it's a stadium full of people and they play that fight song or before that, and all of a sudden the team says, we're not playing. It, I mean, all hell is going to break loose. So it's like, okay, do you want to solve the problem now? Or do you want to solve the problem at that moment in time? Because it's going to be, it is going to be major ramifications for the university if it gets to that point. And it's not only, it's all athletes of all different sports. So they have to keep that in mind. This is not only just it's basketball, it's track, it's everything else. So it's going to affect coaches' salaries. Uh, it's going to be a lot of people getting fired, resigning. I mean, 
it's like, what do you do? You want it to get to that point? Because it will get to that point if you try to tiptoe around it or try to compromise. Because these kids are not compromising. They wrote exactly what they said and they mean it and they're going to stand by it. And the thing about it, many of them, they already understand the transfer portal. So they already got teams on standby. A lot of these historical black universities. So th these black universities, like, you know what? We want UT to drag their feet so we can get all this talent. And let's see, let's see how UT is going to be made up now if you got, you know, LSU versus the team of the walk-ons. And it's nothing against the walk-ons players, but, hey, it is what it is. Do they? Do the fans really want that? Because it's only going to be a domino effect. It's going to be at LSU. It's going to be LSU scout team versus Texas scout team. Is that what people really want to see? <laughs> you know, no. so, I mean, so they need to, they need to do something about it because these kids are not compromising at all. I'm going to send you out with this kind of roundabout way to get to it. Um, the 2005 team, so beloved, Vince Young, your teammate, the most important player in Texas football history. I've been thinking about you guys a lot the last few days as far as, okay, the reaction in 2020 looks like this. What if this 05 team, you know, what, what would the reaction be to that team then? And then, you know, would would Texas fans revolt against this this national champion team? Would would Texas fans be mad at Vince Young for speaking up about things that you know don't have to do with the zone read or, or something like that? And I was I was reading a quote from Tom Herman. I'm sure you've I'm sure you've read it. I'm, I'm going to read a snippet of it, and he talks about this double standard a little bit. He says we're going to pack a hundred thousand people into DKR, and millions will watch on TV and. They're not all white, but most of them are. And we're going to cheer when they score touchdowns. We're going to hug our buddy when they get sacks or an interception. But are we going to let them date our daughter? Are we going to hire them in a position of power in our company? That's the question I have for America. You can't have it both ways, unquote. And that's from Tom Herman. And Tim, I just want to send you out with, with your thoughts on that. I think that's pretty powerful. And I think it resonates quite a bit. It's, it's definitely a very, very powerful quote uh, because it's coming from Tom. You know, he he hit it. I mean, he hit the nail on the head. And, uh, you know, it's so true. It's, it's At the end of the day, they would. They would turn their back against Vince Young and all of us. And this is why. Because many of them are racist. That's just, it is what it is. Not all of them, but many of them. And like I was telling a coach of mine who's white, I said, I understand that, hey, you're not racist. I know your heart. I know your character. But the thing about it, are you going to stop the head coach or the athletic director or the superintendent who's racist? How are you going to stop them? That's the problem. You know, it's a system of it. And it keeps going up. I mean, white supremacists have been, they have infiltrated everywhere. You know, so how much you willing to give you know, to help the black community, are you willing to, were you willing to give back some of that land that was given to you due to us? You know, are you willing to, you know, forget donate to the Black Lives Matter organization? Or are you just willing to help black people? Like, this is not an organization. A lot of people think like this is an organization. This is a race. You know, so how are you willing to help that? Are you willing to, you know, hire, like, like Tom said, are you willing to, a buddy of mine, black guy, he just applied for a head coaching job 
in a predominantly white area, they basically said, we can't hire you based on the demographics. I'm not going to name that school, but it's in the local Austin area. But it's just like, come on. Like, we've been dealing with this stuff for a very, very long time. And uh, people are just frustrated. And I look at my daughters every day. And I'm just like, you know what? There's no way in the world I'm going to allow my daughters to go through this. No way. You know, I got a six and a, almost a six and a seven-year-old. and They have no idea what racism is. And they shouldn't because they are the most purest creatures on this earth. They play with all their friends. They don't even see color. I asked them what race people were. They said brown, tan, and dark brown. I mean, they never even mentioned the words black and white. Because if you really look at somebody, they're not black or white. They're all different colors. <laughs> you know, you know, it's the society. And then you got to ask somebody, what society made? What's the, what society put those rules in? And white people have to understand that it's predominantly white society that made those rules. We didn't make those rules. We just try to comply with them. And I think that's the thing where everybody needs to understand and have dialogue and say, okay, what are we going to do next? You know, how, how can we help the situation? You know, uh, why does East Austin, why is it like that? Because East Austin was once a flourishing community, had major own, they had so many black owned businesses over there. Uh, just so many, it's just a vibrant community. But what happened? You know, gentrification. That's what happened. They, you know, white people, not all of them, they raised the taxes up on them to the point where they couldn't afford it. And they basically had to leave. And that's what you're seeing right now. I mean, you can clearly see it right now in East Austin. You know, so like I said, it's a it's a very, very deep systematic issue that, you know, it's like that octopus with all those tentacles, man. It's just like, okay, I got away from one, but I gotta deal with twelve more, twelve more of them. And the only way that this can happen is, unfortunately, white people have to get behind and say, you know what, we was one of the reasons this issue is this issue, so we got to be the ones that help tear this thing down. Important conversation. Tim Crowder, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. That's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. I appreciate Tim Crowder having that conversation with me. We went to college. We went to the same college. Obviously, a total different experiences several years apart. And it's, to be honest with you, it's, it's at times it's uncomfortable to have these conversations to be, you know, you feel, am I equipped to have this conversation? I'm just hosting a daily college football news podcast in which I, you know, went into the off season thing. I'd be talking about which scheme change is going to unlock certain players and which new coaching hire is going to do this or do that. And instead we've talked about a lot of science with COVID-19 and now a lot of, a lot of social issues and it's not my cup of tea, but we're learning and we're evolving. And I think getting perspective from people like Tim is vital to that experience. So again, thanks to him for joining us. Thanks to our producer, Tani Levitt, for putting the episode together. I'm Trey Scott. We will see you on Tuesday for the next edition of the College Football Daily.